just sing the words and not not we take you know like oh where does it go um yeah that our god is three in one you know like that alone that's trinitarian theology that is that god is god is um god the father god the son god the holy spirit you know that just rolls off anyone not heard of it do you know and that just rolls off our tongue and it kind of floats around in our knowing oh yeah god is three in one that that alone is a theology that people have died for. That that brilliant minds, brilliant men and women who have whose heart was was um, just fully fully captured by Jesus and his teachings. That that they would be willing to sacrifice their life for his truth to continue. And I felt like this morning, we're going to do our, our quiet time. But I felt like in our, in our time, in, 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 our, in the moment of just being still before God and in God's presence, um, he still invites us to wrestle. And I believe there are some people here that are wrestling with your faith. And unfortunately... I think in our the last maybe hundred years of of some of our church content, context, um, the wrestle with our belief hasn't been um, so widely accepted. And so, if you're here this morning and you wrestle and you wrestle with your faith and your belief, almost is kind of in an environment of of shame and or or. Um, of kind of like, oh, I really shouldn't be feeling or thinking this way. I'd love you to bring your wrestle to God's presence because he loves it. Because some of the most beautiful, articulate, life-giving doctrines and beliefs and songs and sermons and writings and and every come from an environment of wrestling. So Father, we come before you in our silence and we bring our whole selves into your presence.
Um, we are in the middle of our One Another series, or Titahi Ki Titahi, which is our face-to-face. And I kind of, we were, as you know, we've kind of, well, I think if, if you know, you may remember, we've just come off of James, and James got pretty hard and heavy. So I was thinking, oh, we'll go something really light, like One Another, that'll be cool. And then I've, I've sort of landed on Forgive One Another, which doesn't feel very light. Like, and so, I don't know, I need to sort of work out, you know, the theology of rainbows and butterflies, but um, for something a bit soft. But, and it particularly lands on a week, this is a, this is a, I'm um, doing what you shouldn't do is prefacing. Um, it's been on a week when I have been, my, I have been personally incredibly challenged by forgiveness. So I've kind of read my notes and sort of have this internal dialogue of like, shut up, that's not true. No, you don't. You know, like. Who told you? You know, that kind of thing. So um, it could be fun. And so we will um, we will see. So as I say, I hope you have been equally challenged and encouraged by this One Another series so far. And just wanted to um, have a massive thank you to Simon um, last week who who, you got an easy one, encourage one another, that's sweet. Um, no, but thank you so much. Thank you so much for, um, I guess what I loved most is you bringing you into what it is to encourage one another, which is, what, which is I think, the, the most wonderful um, part of the morning. And one of the deeper whys behind our one another is that when we look around the room, and as many people are here, there's as many who aren't, who are part of Maharingi Vineyard. That one anothering, that Simon being Simon as a follower of Jesus and sort of moving that around and Lyndon being Lyndon. And I did laugh because I was thinking of the culture of clashes because um, I'm from a German background. So um, last week at 11.27, I was starting to get itchy. And, and it didn't even seem like Simon was even getting anywhere near wrapping it up. But I just love, I love that as, our, as we one another, that he can influence me. And hey, maybe one day I'll influence you, but it doesn't really matter because it was beautiful. But I, that, is, that is the kind of why behind our one another. And a very a silly little um, example, but on a much deeper level, is that is why the New Testament particularly is filled with these, these invitations of one anothering because, because we simply cannot be followers of Jesus in isolation. If anyone had, would have figured it out, you know, like we've been, we're, we're part of this, you know, 2,000 year long plus um, story. I feel like if someone was going to figure it out, they would have by now. And it's, it's, the, it's the difficulty of it. It's the, it's the beauty of the church and it's the frustration of the church. You know, look around. What, what would, oh, the kids are gone now, but you know, you've got, you've got ages from, the youngest in the room to the oldest in the room. I'll look up here so I don't look at anyone in particular. But you've got, we've got like this incredible age demographic, which is beautiful. I love, I love that as Maharangi Vineyard has, has grown, so has our intergenerational expre- expression. 
I love that. What, what, other, what other thing would bring us all into a cold hole on a rainy day? You know, it's not the atmosphere, is it, people? Like, I'm a woo, and it's like, could you pick a worse color in all of the entire... Anyway. Um, and so we... we we all know that we cannot get by. Well, I hope we all know um, that we cannot get by in this journey of being followers of Jesus, of being, of ordering our life the way he has ordered it. That is the practices of Jesus. We cannot do that with an embracing of shallow, disposable relationships. That is, we, we, we align our life or surround ourselves with people who think like us, with people who, are, who act like us, for, with people who only vote like us. I'll get real, you know, we've got all the signs up at the moment. But, and this, this may blow your mind, but I almost guarantee you that in a few, what is it, months? How long do we have to wait till the signs are all gone? But that, that people in this room will tick almost every single box on that ballot. And if that, and we don't have the liberty to write someone off because of that. That the invitation of Scripture, the one another that we read in the New Testament is not a gentle suggestion. I'm crossing over to preaching to Lyndon now too. So, um, you know, that, that is the beauty and the frustration, but it's the life-giving atmosphere of the church. That's what Jesus had always intended for us as the church, as his church to keep following him and to keep following him together with one another. And as I said, today we're looking at, now, and, and I've got some readers, we're going to read through Matthew 18, the whole lot. Um, so if you're a part of that team who's going to read, why don't you come on up and get ready and we'll get the mic ready. That, that's now. Um, today we're looking, as I said, um, forgiving, forgiving one another. Um, and forgiveness, I love C.S. Lewis. Maybe just stand right across here. Um, C.S. Lewis puts it, forgiveness, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until you have something to forgive. I think that's a, a wonderful framework for our, for our forgiveness. And we all know, um, and, and I know, or just hopefully, that um, we're not going to be able to cover the whole, the whole area of forgiveness. One of the things I think we did best in our COVID season and our season of clusters is how many people were involved in a cluster when we looked at practicing the way of forgiveness. I feel like personally that has been that season and particularly that area of focusing on forgiveness in small groups and clusters was some of the biggest growth we have ever done as a people in Maharingi Vineyard. So we're not gonna be able to do that this morning 
but I believe that we can we can have some great. So so if you'd like to, we can pull out that material. But it's a fantastic. We did four weeks of looking at it, and and it just is so so important. But this morning we're going to have a look at something slightly different from that. So um, Matthew eighteen. Matthew eighteen. Humility and danger. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus. So then, they said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a child and stood her in the middle of them. I'm telling you the truth, he said, unless you turn inside out and become like, a ch- like children, you will never ever get into the kingdom of heaven. So, if any of you make yourselves humble like this child, you will be great in the kingdom of heaven. And if anyone welcomes one such child in my name, they welcome me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to trip up, he went on, it would be better for them to have a huge millstone hung around their neck and drown far out in the deep sea. It is a terrible thing for the world that people will be made to stumble. Obstacles are bound to appear and trip people up. But it will be terrible for the person who makes them come. But if your hand or your foot causes you to trip up, Jesus continued, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter into life crippled or lame than to to go into eternal fire with both hands and both feet. And if your eye causes you to trip up, pull it out and throw it away. Going into life with one eye is better than going into hell with two. Take care not to despise one of these little ones. I tell you this, in heaven, their angels are always gazing on the face of my Father who lives there. How does it seem to you? If someone has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders off and goes missing, what will he do? He'll leave the ninety-nine on the hillside and go off after the one that's missing, won't he? And when eventually he finds it, I'll tell you the truth, he will celebrate over that one more than over the 99 who didn't go missing. It's the same with your father in heaven. The last thing he wants is for a single one of these little ones to be lost. If another disciple sins against you, Jesus continued, go and have it out just between the two of you alone. If they listen to you, you've won back a brother or sister. But if they won't listen, you should take with you one or two others so that everything may be established from the mouth of two or three witnesses. If they won't listen to them, tell it to the assembly. And if they won't listen to the assembly, you should treat such a person like you would a Gentile 
or a tax collector. I'm telling you the truth. Whatever you tie up on earth will have been tied up in heaven, and whatever you untie on earth will have been untied in heaven. Again, let me tell you the truth. If two of you come to an agreement on earth about any matter that you want to ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Yes, where two or three come together in my name, I'll be there in the midst of them. Then Peter came to Jesus. Master, he said, how many times must I forgive my brother when he sins against me? As many as seven times? I wouldn't say seven times, replied Jesus. Why not 70 times seven? So you see, he went on, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle up accounts with his servants. As he was beginning to sort it all out, one man who was brought before him who owed 10,000 talents. He had no means of paying it back, so the master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and everything he possessed and payment to be made. So the servant fell down and prostrated himself before the master. Be patient with me, he said, and I'll pay you everything. The master was very sorry for the servant and let him off. He forgave him the loan. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred deniers. He seized him and began to throttle him. Pay me back what you owe me, he said. The colleague fell down and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you. But he refused and went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were very upset. They went and informed their master about the whole affair. Then his master summoned him. You're a scoundrel of a servant, he said to him. I let you off the whole debt because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have taken pity on your colleague like I took pity on you? His master was angry and handed him over to the torturers until he had paid the whole debt. And that's what my heavenly father will do to you unless each of you forgives your brother or sister from your heart. So nice and light. Go in peace. I, I'm always amazed how, um, you know, Jesus' choice of stories and often words that are really quite extraordinary and cut to the very heart of us often don't even seem to be in our daily conversations. You know, I, I see, I see we, get, we get worked up about lots of things in this world um, and in this time and age. You know, there's lots of things that people rant and rave about. Um, unforgiveness hasn't been one that I've heard much lately. Do you know? And yet look at Jesus' choice of words. The, yeah. We, you know, we all... I hopefully know that we live in the in-between time of, of Jesus who has come to earth through his, and through his life 
through his um, through his death, through his teachings, through his resurrection, um, his kingdom has come to earth. The power of sin has been broken, of of death has been been broken. That we have a life, and yet we know that as God's kingdom has come, that it's come in part, and it's His kingdom is coming again. There's a there's an old analogy about um, a war war analogy, like it's the time between D-Day, D-Day when the war was won, and then Victory Day, V-Day. But in between those times, their battles still raged. People still lost their lives. Skirmishes still happened. The war was over, but, but the victory hadn't come in its fullness. And so, so we, if that helps, that's the age that we find ourselves in. That, that relationships are still really hard. That, that um, the world we live in, the environment that we find ourselves in, is still polluted by sin and by shame. Relationships are, are still broken in the world around us. And many of them are marked by, by disappointment and loss and pain. So I told you it's going to be a great morning. Yay! But can't you see how, how in that light, the temptation of just hunkering down, of closing one another out, like you can see the cruelty of our enemy. It's like, oh yeah, so this, all of this goes on. So what better thing to do than just to isolate yourself? And yet we see a better way in the words of Jesus. That scripture isn't silent on the matter. That God's call to us is, is resounding over and over and over again to to embrace one another, and to, in doing so, to embrace forgiveness. To forgive those who sin against us. By, by its very definition, it is to set someone free from the debt, from those who sin against us. It is to set someone free from our personal right to collect on the moral debt of their offense. And vice versa. But we see in our role model, Jesus. Who in the face of sin. Did not choose to look away. Nor did he choose to pay back. But he chose to deal with sin. the sins that were committed against him in the most compelling way of all, which was to forgive them. We, um, and so, so this morning when I was thinking of, or actually in the weeks I had leading up to this, um, I just thought there's no better way to, to embrace, to talk about, to look into, to invite into, to remind us of what forgiving one another looks like than, than the table. There are a few things that I wanted to also note as well that, that was covered so beautifully in our practicing the way when we did it in Scripture. 
but but know that forgiveness does not mean forgetting. You know, it's that terrible, it's almost up there with sticks and stones break my bones, but we're some of the dumbest things that a human being have ever uttered out of your mouth, you know, like um, forgiving and forgive and forget. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. It isn't, forgiveness isn't the same as reconciliation. So reconciliation requires two people, two parties, requires requires a um, you know an equal maturity, an e- uh, uh, equal commitment, and by all means, it is God's preferred plan. Like he's he's for it. But forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Forgiveness is something we choose. Forgiveness also is not the same as allowing someone to hurt you over and over and over again. It isn't a doormat thing. And it'll come on, come on in, you know, like um, there, forgiveness has got, there, there's, a, um, there's a maturity that comes, comes with it. That it isn't about, you can, you can forgive someone and not allow them back into your life or close to you in a way that they may have been before. Forgiveness um, excitedly ugh, is not a one-off thing. Oh, that it could be, you know? How many people know that, that the decision of forgiveness can be a daily choice? Like, and that's a good day. Normally, it's a minute-by-minute choice for the deep feelers in the room, you know? Like, I forgive them. Oh, I hate them. Oh, no, I forgive them. Oh, you know, it's like over and over and over again. Forgiveness is a choice we make often without the backing of our emotions and our feelings. Again, deep feelers, put your hand up. Like, it's almost never. Our emotions never join in that choir. You know, like they're... Forgiveness is a repetitive choice. And in many ways... This practice of Jesus, um, forgiveness is the most countercultural of all of the ways of Jesus. One person agrees. Just think about it. Think about how our world works. Think about the narrative of our culture. And then just hold it with the words that we just heard in Matthew 18. And many more in, throughout Scripture. As I said, by definition, forgiveness is an unmerited gift. And it is given to someone who doesn't deserve it. Again, C.S. Lewis says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable in others because God forgave the inexcusable in you, in me. The cost of forgiveness is great. But the outcome of lives lived through the constant repetitive choice of forgiving one another is it is the only pathway that will lead us to a freedom and a wholeness 
and a life that Jesus has always intended us to lead. It is only the path of forgiveness that will get us there. And there'll be a big part of us that says, really? Come on. Forgiving one another will lead us into a freedom and a wholeness and an intimacy with God and with one another that we cannot get any other way. We had a, um, we've been in Auckland most of the week with a, um, a team from, from the Vineyard Movement as a whole, so a, a group of leaders um, that have been sort of meeting together on a pretty regular basis, just sort of um, wrestling out and praying and seeking God for, for our movement, our family of churches, um, in, and for the future. And we had an experience knowing that this was coming up, but we had an experience in, a, in the time where, where someone just was like, do you know what? I went to bed last night thinking about um, this time. And, and basically, it was a time where, where they asked forgiveness for really bad, a really bad attitude toward um, someone else in the room and how that sort of filtered through. And, and it was incredible how many people have been in an environment like that, that it was like, the air was sucked out of the room in a good way, but then immediate, almost immediately this life came back in the room and all of a sudden there was a, there was a camaraderie and a, and a mutuality in the room that, that you kind of didn't realize wasn't there until it came in. Can anyone else relate? That's the power of forgiveness. That's why Jesus tells a story that makes the hair, if you really think about what we just heard in Matthew 18, that's why he said it. Why the hair on the back of your neck should stand up on end is because there is so much at stake. Like for good. But so much at stake that you know that the enemy could just have a field day with think of it this way i'll, I'll sort of have to say this fast because it involves you holding your breath but imagine imagine taking a deep maybe don't do it yet or i got some people passing out but um but imagine in a minute in a second you're going to take a deep breath in and that that breath in and you're going to hold it is, is forgiveness. It's the forgiveness that God has extended to you, that Jesus has freely given you. And then imagine holding it for yourself so that as you go through life, we have the opportunity, we have, I was going to say invitation, it's not an invitation to give that life out, to share that 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 forgiveness out, to breathe out, to give the, you know, the breath of life that we've been so freely given to those around us. So let's do it now. So we're going to breathe it in. I won't be able to because I can't talk and not breathe at the same time. So breathe it in and hold it. So now imagine your decision is, I will not forgive that person. 
I will not give them that life. Who suffocates? Who, who, who feels the pain? That's why Jesus was so that Jesus' words were so confronting, because your life depends on you forgiving one another. It literally depends on you giving what giving out what he so freely gave you. And please know I'm talking to Lyndon more than anyone else in the room. Another way of, of putting it, and it'll sort of bring us to the table, but can I get a volunteer? Come on, Manfred. How's that for a volunteering? The terrible model. Imagine this. So these are, these are the offenses that Manfred, others have given Manfred. So, um, so Manfred's case carrying around all the things that people have rightly said, Lyndon called him out without him volunteering. You know, he's sort of, um, all of these things that 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 go wrong, and we all know that this is not this is a silly example, but how true, like how true we live in this age where we hurt one another so easily, M- maybe knowing it, maybe not. Here you go, Manfred. This is like this is life. This is real life. This is clean. So even here, Manfred, carry on, keep carrying. Now, now, Manfred, go. Manfred's got the invitation to go to God's table, to the very symbols of of the free gift of the body broken for Manfred, without any for without any deserving of it, of the blood poured out for Manfred because God loved him. He knew him. He has a plan and a purpose for his life. Not, not once he had sorted it all out, but before Manfred even, it even entered his mind. So Manfred, come and take the elements. That's what Jesus is talking about. You absolutely cannot take the forgiveness that God has so freely given, the great price that he has paid for you, and hold on to everything that goes wrong in this age. We just simply cannot do it. Well done. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, you can breathe out. Yeah, too. Yeah, good. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so I wanted to, um, maybe if we put some music on. Um Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Ooh, don't you worry. Why don't we why don't we stand? And for the sake of time and expediency, the table can be approached from all angles, so it'll keep our lines moving in a an efficient sort of way. But what I'd love for us to do is I don't want to take make light of the difficulty of forgiveness. Like I am so aware that that um, of the pain that we inflict on one another, 
and how how within us many times is an overwhelming chorus of reasons why not to. What I'd love for us to do is in coming forward, bring those reasons and lay them at the table. And so even if you have something that you want to have lay down at the table, you can pick it up later. But, um, but just let me pray. And as I'm praying, why don't you come up and we'll have some music going as well. And then really, I'd love just to end this morning with the ministry of the elements. So allow the body broken for you and the blood poured out for you to minister to you, to minister to your wrestling with forgiveness. You know, as, as people come to mind, whether you've hurt them or they've hurt you, um, allow, allow the broken body and the poured out blood to, to move you to a place of forgiveness. So, Father, this morning we, we thank you for the great price that you've paid for us. We thank you that you are, as Jesus said, the king who, who, when we did not deserve it, let us off a great, great debt. And where we are tempted to be like that servant who then withholds the tiny, even though it feels huge to us, to someone else, God, remind us of your great price paid. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and you would speak to us, that you would heal us, that you would empower us as we come to your table this morning. Amen.